to Stock Talk Podcast, where topics are covered and questions are answered across all parts of the show stock industry. Get ready to learn and laugh with your hosts, Trevor Kirkpatrick and Corey Ann. What's happening, guys? Hope the first week of 2020 is treating you well. It's just Trevor here for a brief moment to explain to you why our intro may sound a little different. It's because all of our equipment is headed to Denver as we speak. Therefore, our fancy tools and soundboard that we normally use and our platform that Corey and I use to speak online is no longer here. So, although it may sound a little muffled, you're going to be able to hear it. It's just not the quality you're used to just in our intro. However, the conversation we have with Mr. Mike Stitzline is pretty nice. So, just wanted to give you guys a heads up. Hope you guys enjoy it. Here's Corey and I introducing Mr. Stitzline. Well, Corey, uh, we are talking sheep this time. Your strength, and I'm learning more and more about sheep every single weekend. What better man to learn it from than Mike Stitzline himself? Good man. Been referenced many times by other guests and um, always has something good to say about him. So we uh, got a really good conversation. I had the chance to talk face-to-face instead of the phone call this time. So I was in the uh, Stitzline kitchen there while he was waiting on Ohio State to get there to work out pre-Denver. So we had a good chat. I'm excited to get this one out there. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm also excited that our friends at Walton Webcasting had a huge weekend in Florida. Oh, uh, yeah. This past weekend. Good segue. I mean, uh, hogs look good. Hogs look good. Plus, uh, they told us they had 33,000 views. 33,000, the weekend. Yeah. I mean, just think about how many eyeballs that is. It's a bunch. That's quite a bit. And I'm sure some of our listeners were those eyeballs. And if you're not... I was. You, if you missed it, go subscribe, waltonwebcasting.com, and uh, watch it again. You can watch every single show they've been at, however many times you want. So That's right. Walton, Walton Webcasting is the way to go. Big things coming. We're going to say that every time until we're allowed to say it all. <laughs> but Maybe, Hopefully next week we'll get to tell you guys. Yes. So big things. Speaking of big things, we will be in Denver <laughs> next week. Do not forget. We will For be in Denver. Look us up. Yeah. Yeah, I think I uh, I mentioned something in the episode. By the way, if you if you saw the episode title, um, that is reference to a little bit of an answer to a question that we had a topic from the hat. Yes. And uh, so looking forward to you guys hearing why our episode title is titled the way that it is. And on top of that, uh, while we're in Denver, we are going to have some cold weather gear goodies mm-hmm. um, for you to find us that you will enjoy your yes. beanies. I also say that in the episode. So Find us in the yards. We will be at the Matt Lautner stalls on the 17th at noon. And we may you may see us at other places. You never know. We'll be around. Never know. Never know. A little cattle round table with some bull owners and uh, big names in the cattle industry going to be there in the bull display. going to yes. be awesome. Speaking of display, I want to keep segueing the crap out of some stuff. What better way to display your high-quality show pigs than to get on showpig.com? Oh, ah. I felt that one. You are you're a Segway <laughs> master. You need <laughs> – I'm impressed. I'm impressed, Kirky. That was real good. But for real, sure that, um, yeah. I'm on there as a habit. Uh, I, it's probably my second most visited website other than Facebook. And um, – Third would be obviously stocktalk-podcast.com. I'm just kidding. But good merge. Also uh, good segue. Nice job. <laughs> but seriously, <laughs> showpig.com, uh, we're getting into um, the heat of it. Some of those Novembers are getting ready to be posted. Uh, get your stuff for those early fairs. Um, Expo is mm-hmm. now in Indianapolis this year. So we will get some of those. Um, those hogs will be out there pretty soon. It's coming right around the corner. Uh, yes. But showpig.com is the place to buy them. And everybody seems like they have at least a sour or two. And it's a little tough to get people to pull in your driveway and buy some of these pigs. And it's really not that hard to put them online and sell them on showpig.com. 
Yeah, that's right. And I can I can say, you know, if showpick.com had a um, website to sell sheep on, I would probably use them too, but uh, they don't. So we are hosting a little shameless plug. Edge Club Lambs is hosting two online sales this year. Oh, um, Yeah, so pumped about that. We are in the thick of things here in the lambing barn. Um, as we speak tonight, before we jumped on to record, I uh, found a you lambing in the jug that wasn't due for two more weeks. Um, but she had one, buck lamb, live, big. I think she's in the jug. Yep, already standing up, so we're good. She was in the group jug, so threw in a pen. We're doing good. We're doing good. Right. But, uh, man, I'm so pumped for this episode with Mike. Uh, Stitzline Club Lambs is a household name. Mm-hmm for producing incredible females and to learn something unique about Mike and his program over there is that um, they have until this year, really, they've never had an AI program. They've been doing it for years. First time awesome. successes they had, this is their first year AIing stuff. <sighs> what, a, what a world we live in. And with just the diversity of success in this industry blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got to talk to him there after we got off the mic and you had to, to do some chores, but I got to sit there and talk to him for a little bit more. And uh, just hearing his passion um, and his just real life attitude of, hey, I'm a I'm a livestock judge also. And if somebody doesn't like what I do, I'm just like, I mean, it's just my opinion on that given day. And he's just a good mind in the industry that has a positive outlook. And you guys are getting ready to hear just that. And you're getting ready to learn some stuff, man. I Dude, may seriously if you're if you're a sheep guy, especially if you're a sheep guy or girl, if you're involved in the sheep business in any shape or form, there's some very very good takeaways here uh, for sheep people and for those that are just livestock enthusiasts and like learning and, and listening to some history. There's some of that in here too. And I'm hey, if I need to foster a litter pigs, I may use this. You never know. <laughs> you use grafting goop. <laughs> yes. Yes, grafting goops come in all species. Here well, we Corey, go. here we go. <laughs> uh, all right. He doesn't really need an introduction. This guy's incredible. Welcome to Mike Stitzline. Last week, we were in front of each other and we could have a conversation. This week, I'm actually on location here in a neighboring county, Ashland County, with Mike Stitzline. So another unique opportunity to sit in front of somebody and actually have a real conversation instead of a phone call. It's really nice. Yes, very nice. And I appreciate Mike for letting us sit in his kitchen here because he's in the middle of lambing. We've got the Ohio State University team on the way, and he still allowed us to have this interview. So thanks so much for uh, your hospitality and letting us in the kitchen here and uh, going to have some sheep conversation. So just give a brief introduction about yourself. And obviously, I said we're here in Ashland, Ohio, but what do you do full-time? Oh, I do the, I do the sheep full-time. I, uh, it started out as a, as a 4-H FFA project gone wild, I guess you'd say. <laughs> um, as, as most kids, uh, you start out, I, I, we grew up on a dairy farm, and so Growing up there, and back when I was young, you had a few of everything, and so my grandfather yeah. actually had a few sheep, uh, more as lawnmowers than anything, and that became <laughs> one of my first projects for 4-H, and so after that, it just kind of snowballed into, uh, oh, we're up at about 300 ewes now. So, wow. Um, yeah. yeah, it kind of got out of hand, and, and when I, I went through college thinking of a lot of ideas of things you wanted to do, and, and when I got out, I interviewed a few, a few places. Um, but was actually making more money doing the, doing the sheep thing. And, and it's been really, really good that way. We've sold, uh, a lot of lambs over the years. And that was our big goal in the beginning was just selling weathers. And, and like I said, it started out as a breeding project. So I didn't really necessarily, um, sell them all as weathers in the beginning. We sold a few breeding sheep and, and we had, and I even played around with a few different breeds. Um, yeah. Uh, the suffix were the big popular thing back when I first started. And, uh, through that short time that I had them, they kind of split into two different breeds. Almost the suffix became some of the bigger breeding sheep. And then you had the smaller weather type sheep. And, and, uh, so we just, I concentrated on the weather style because I didn't have, 
the funds to put into the big breeding sheep and compete right. with those. And so I could sell a few lambs to surrounding county kids, and, and that kind of got it started. And then from there, it just got, like I said, out of hand a little bit. <laughs> now, when was the birth of Stitzline Club Lambs? When was all that happening? Uh, well, I mean, I guess... I mean, in the early years, it was like we had a mixture. And when I started out, like I said, you could sell a few of both. You could right. sell a few for breeding stock, and you could sell a few for, for county uh, fair club lambs. And um, I guess I guess it probably really started about my late college years, okay. which would have been early 90s. Yep. That's when the, the, the beginning of it really started, and that's when we got heavily into it. And then when I graduated from college, that's... I just went into it full time. Now you went to Ohio State, is that right? Yes, I did. Graduated with an animal science degree. There you go. Oh no, I'm competing against two Buckeyes. Here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Mike, what was some of those like early early genetics that you dove into? We talked to a few folks uh, that mentioned you, you might have hopped on the uh, got some uh, cavernous bloodlines and and uh, some stuff like that to really kind of propel you to the to the next level where what yeah. were some of those programs you you got involved with yeah in the in the early years like i said back when i first got into it the suffolks were really the popular thing so the first few rams i got uh there was a, a joe harrell in oklahoma uh, had a had a lot of suffix back then and and got some bucks and some use from there uh barbara garvey was another one that had uh, a club lamb style and she had some cabinets crossed in her so um, I got to a point where there were some things I wanted to change about what I had, and so I was looking around for things that would fix what I wanted to fix in in the use and and stuff that I had. So cabinet seemed to be uh, the one that was really putting out a lot of good sheep at that time, and they were of course full hamp. And so um, made a visit there and bought <laughs> a ram, and from there on it went it went kind of crazy. And we and when then we went through years where they. They had production sales where they would sell a lot of their older ewes. At six years old, they would just sell them. And I bought uh, quite a few ewes through their sales that had produced bucks that they had sold to a lot of people. And those ewes went on to make tremendous ewe families for me. Yeah. And so um, there was only, you know, necessarily there's only a couple of them that raised the buck that I was looking for, but they actually raised all these daughters that raised bucks down the road. And, mm-hmm. and so there's been some ewe lines. It's just been fantastic from there. And they've... They've clicked on everything I've brought in since then, and and so once you find those core U lines, I think for me that was the start of of really what made them consistent. And those females, to me, the female side is what's made it work the best for me. You can bring a lot of bucks in from a lot of places, but you still have to have those that core set of solid females. Right. Well, and we've heard a couple times in it, in the interviews we've had already where you know, your name gets brought up in some of those females. And I think that's a testament to where you got started with with some of that genetics. So absolutely, I, I want to jump in on your breeding decisions, because no matter who you ask, you're one of the top end of making emphasis on female productivity. So just walk us through, you know, for those that are just getting started, or even the experienced ones, what goes through Mike Stitzline's head when you're getting ready to set up these ewes with a few bucks and and the breeding decisions that go behind that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know. A lot of things go through your head, I guess. At <laughs> any one point in time, you probably, probably, I've, I've made a lot of decisions. Then I, I think the next day of, of uh, you, I made it to a certain bucket. And man, I want to change it. And I run out there and <laughs> she's already marked. And, and, and sometimes that's been the best thing that happened. Right. You know, they produce what you wanted to. Sometimes it's been, uh, and you don't want to say it. <laughs> It's not necessarily a mistake, but sometimes a buck you have some problems with early or something, and you switch her, and, right. and then that works good too. But that's where I still think that your solid set of females, no matter what bucks you're breeding them to, are still going to produce really, really good uh, animals out of out of you know no matter what ram you've crossed it on. Um, and there's some lines you find in the beginning when you're starting out that just don't like each other. Right? Um, they just don't produce what you're looking for. Um, but there's still some core core things that you need to look for and all those. And, and to me, it comes through the female side as much as anything. And then I like a, you keep the bucks out of those U-lines, and those are the ones that go on and produce really, really good for you. I, I feel like there's only, over all the years I've had the sheep, there's probably a two or three bucks that have really just done 
what you what you think they're going to do, you yeah, know, or have have uh ideas of producing yeah and so those are hard to find to me a buck that will go out there and just stamp them out on every you is is really hard to find yeah and so i think the females you keep them solid you'll still have those good quality lambs no matter what buck even if that buck throws some other sheep that aren't so good yeah you'll still get good ones out of those you that's a good point i mean you can swap out your bucks a couple of years, but your ewes are still here. Yeah. Now, that, that brings up another good point. And I, I don't want to jump over Corey's next question here, but I'm interested to know, and, and some of these uh, shepherds that listen, are what are some of those bucks that you can rely on in the past? What's, what's are some that just stand out and maybe have done the better jobs for you in the past that you can remember? Um, well, we, the, the first buck that I really remember hitting that hard was a buck we called Quest, and that was, again, out of an old Cabinus u-line mm-hmm. um that's been produced tremendous amount of bucks for us um but down the line it's you know they come through all different lines all different bucks you bring in and you breed to that female side that's that's pretty well embedded in the flock and you consistently come out with another buck and and right. so to me if i can just bring in that outcross through the mail get a new buck mm-hmm. a son and put that back in that's that's how i keep the outcross going gotcha because it's, it doesn't take very long. Um, I know we talk a lot about AI and, and embryoing and everything else like that. Right now, it's the popular thing to do. But, but when you're doing that, you're also shrinking your gene pool really fast. And mm. Because when we were doing it back in the beginning, you did it through a buck or did it through the female side. And if you didn't watch, you could get really close right. bred very fast mm-hmm. without realizing it. And so you had to watch uh you know just what bucks you bring in and even that you got to watch where where you're bringing them in from because a lot of these sheep nowadays are all coming through a couple hamp farms either cabinets or miller and they were the base of the hamps right so everybody's trying to produce some hampy style sheep right now and so you've got to watch if you go back very far they're all fairly related (laughs) so what's your what's your thoughts on that i've had some guys uh, i've talked to several folks about just how tight to to breed and and what this uh, this AI and buck battery system has come to now based on where it used to be. Everybody had a buck or two um, that they would use across the board on their stuff and wouldn't really rely too much on sharing genetics if they didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how how far down the rabbit hole can we get before it's a an well, issue? Well, I guess I've 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 pushed it far enough over the years that you <laughs> you start to see it in the sheep. Uh, you just start to see them instead of as the, as those young lambs get a little bit older. You don't really see them get more massive or stouter or growthier or or you know just all those things that go along with hybrid vigor. You lose with line breeding, mm. so you've got to be careful. There's a fine line. I mean, you want to. I always like to kind of do a one hit where you bring it back on itself and then the next cross you out cross it. And that's where usually where you pop up with a buck or something that really hits because you get just an out enough out cross blood in those animals that it, that it really clicks well. And so I, I can't tell you, you just kind of have to watch them and you see it because really they may look really, really good when they're young. And then as you watch them grow out, they just never bloom into those, those, powerful animals that you think that they should mm. by the genetics and you've got two two uh parents that are that way and you just start to lose that volume and your hybrid vigor and your stoutness and ruggedness and and just health issues you start mm. to run into um by by doing that we've you know getting too close you can start to see a lot of health problems and that's that's typical of line breeding uh, yeah when it, when it right. goes too far that's always the running joke <laughs> yeah. when it goes too far you're Line breeding, you just call it inbreeding. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. there's always that pendulum. We've talked about that many times. And the pig deal especially, that pendulum swings faster probably. Oh, than, really hard. And, and the fast. generation interval is shorter. But, That's you know, they can change them so fast. Yeah, yeah, but I think every time we, we're about where we need to be, we always try to push it. Yeah. You know, you try to get that freak. but That's uh, that's your show ring doing. Yeah. I mean, because it, inevitably yeah. the show ring predicts what we have to pick. And, and uh, it's always pushing to pick that outlier. And sometimes maybe that outlier isn't I, – I almost cringe when I hear uh, someone say, well, this one's the hardest one to produce. Well, maybe sometimes nature's saying that there isn't a reason <laughs> to produce something that looks like that. Right. 
you know, in nature things, there's a certain balance. And, and so I found that out when you push things too hard. And, and I've just by personal experience with my own, I've pushed things too far. And, mm. and then you start to see like, uh, with 300 of them, you start to see a, a pattern. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you start to see uh, health issues and things like that. And so then you got to realize like, Hey, I got to reel it back in. And I've got to make them. Uh, I've got to make them so that just an average kid can yeah. take them home and feed them, as well as the one that may end up going to a, a state or national show. Right. So, hmm. um, yep. It's a balancing so, act. Yeah. Oh, for yeah. sure. Right. Well, folks, in case you're wondering, our soundboard is on the way to Denver, so um, I just got a little creative with that one. But you don't need to be creative to be a diesel owner and buy quality products. Ladies and gentlemen, visit the good folks at Fleece Performance Engineering, a leader in diesel performance. Check out their complete lineup of drop-in Cheeto turbochargers, power lift pump, power flow lift pumps. Yeah, we're really out of technology here, so you have to listen to me mumble. Power flow lift pumps, injection pumps and more for your Kevin's Duramax or Power Stroke. Learn more about their great products at policeperformance.com or visit their new facility, which is incredibly huge and very shiny, in Pittsburgh, Indiana, just west of Indianapolis on I-74. Use promo code STOCKTALK for 10% off your purchase. So you guys, I know over the years, have hardly ever utilized AI and embryo transfer and things of that nature. <laughs> Till um, this year. Until this, yeah, yeah I was going to say. We, thought, we ended up getting getting into it fairly well. I found a, a buck or two that I really liked. And uh, and it's become a, a deal now where you, um, it just looks like you can you can take a buck if you know the buck. And I, I, get a, I get lucky enough to go out and be able to sort some shows. And so you get to see some of the offspring out of some of these bucks that people are using. And so it's nice to have that reference to to see what maybe you can produce out of your use and so mm-hmm. um rather than trying to go buy that buck for you know i mean they can get pretty pricey anymore mm-hmm. or you can find a really nice buck pretty cheap too because the ai's kind of been that uh link between them so so if the guy wants to breed to that that really good buck that he that he thinks he needs i mean he can get semen on most of those anymore right. so right um yeah. You know, you either got to do that and try to try to raise your own buck, or try to buy them. Mm. And that, like I said, that can become pretty pretty high price to do that. So it, it's not cheap to do the AI either. If you figure out over time how much you've had in, you know, all the stuff that goes into getting them ready, getting the use ready, um, you know, and then the actual AI and the cost of the semen, and and uh, you know, there's some better deals than others. We we actually got a jump this year on a on a ram. Uh, it's called Snap That. He was a good ram. We saw at Sedalia. He was supreme ram raised by Rapaski. Uh, just a really nice, complete sheep, which is I kind of where I've always leaned towards. Right. Um, and I thought I had some views I could really throw at him. And so far, the first set has been really good. So we did a we did a couple. Well, actually, we did a couple jumps and split them with with Jim Johnson and um, Team Johnson Club Lambs. And so those were. I mean, those were big jumps for us because we haven't done much of that. Right. Um, I've done very, very little AI. We did just a handful <coughs> last year, and then this year we jumped in both feet. I guess you'd say. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you? I mean, other you've kind of mentioned the hybrid vigor between natural service and some of the the AI work. Is there any other differences as far? I mean, you said cost can can definitely be a difference, but is there any other as far as maintaining those bucks if they you have to do them naturally? Because um, it, it's becoming more and more popular. Sure. But you've maintained success with natural service. Sure. And and then to me, you still have to have a with this many use. You still have to have a good backup or right. a good if to your for your AI because you can't rely on them. To, you're not going to get a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so there's going to be use that aren't going to breed. Um, and depending on the quality of the semen, and there's a lot of things that play into that. You may not get very many at all. You may not get fifty percent. But um, it's always the hope that you can get enough of the used bread with the AI. I guess for me now, I'm looking at it as a difference of, hey, I can go in and I can use this buck and try to raise a son, or I can try to purchase one like that of the same quality and and you know pay, you know quite a bit more. Um, 
it doesn't take long though if you do much AI that it adds up yeah. to where you can oh, yeah. where you could have bought a pretty decent <laughs> buck. I will tell you because uh, it, it gets expensive. Um, and then a lot of people, I don't know if they sit down and actually figure it up, but if you take the cost of the ones that didn't settle, that adds to the cost of the ones that did. Yeah, that's true. Very because, true. So you're actually adding more cost to each one of those. So, but it, it's again, you're still striving to get that one, yep. that male, or and some females maybe, but uh, to to move your flock forward. And if that's what you think you need to do, I mean, that's that's what you try. Yeah. So we did that. I bred a handful to Strictly Business also is another buck we tried, and then we did a little bit of to a uh, couple of use we actually flushed. I've I've done a few flushes in the past. hasn't not worked out very well. <laughs> now this year it, it actually worked. We did a couple couple of use and we just sent them to to um, uh, Tad Thompson out in Indiana, uh, and he just took care of it all, and and that worked better than me trying to. Yeah. In the past we've tried to do it here, and of course that's always. It's just not been, we haven't had the good luck with it. I mean, it just right. hasn't worked. Um, so, but this, it's worked out pretty good. So we tried that with Bullseye. And so it's, it's, uh, it's pretty new for us, but yeah, I mean, everybody's been doing it and, and I know, you know, about it, but we just haven't done that much of it because we've had enough bucks and I felt like the buck power we had was as good as anything I could find. I mean, there's a lot of bucks out there. The 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 part that I don't like about the AI is because there really is in sheep there is no book there's no just like the dairy business it has uh, you know they have certain uh, levels that they try to meet on certain attributes to an animal and they give you a spec or a number that tells you something about it there, there really isn't much of that in the sheep I mean there's <laughs> just a this sheep had you know this one produced a, a lamb that won a show well. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into that other than just mating them up. And so you don't always get exactly what you want. Um, So that's where the beauty of me being lucky enough, like I said, to be able to sort some shows, you can actually see some of those offspring yourself. Right. Kind of get an idea if that's something that you think will work on your use. Yeah. And then go from there. Yeah, it's hard to sort them in a picture. Yeah, (laughs) You know, when you're not there on top of them. (laughs) Oh, I get that. Yeah. Yep. I think the the value of of AI is twofold. It's it's you get the opportunity to use the bucks that you probably wouldn't be able to get your hands on yourself. Oh, at least absolutely. some of the, the smaller yep. breeders. But in the, at the same side, you got to make sure that your U base is solid enough. Kind of to your point, you know, of, of building the the female genetic lines to where you know they're going to work on a pretty wide variety of bucks, and then that'll give you the opportunity to go out and use the freak that you haven't got a chance to use in the past mm-hmm. and uh, try to make something. But um, I've often wondered too, you know, with the amount of use that you guys run, what, what is your, what's a good number of bucks that you like to keep around the place uh, for that many use and <laughs> in, in different genetic pieces? You uh, work with? That's always a million dollar question. <laughs> I, I always tell people you can never have too many, too many good ones. You can have too many, right. but not too many <laughs> <Yeah>. good ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cause you know, but like I said, it's, uh, I mean, there's so much that plays into that. And, and, and for me to actually go through a season and, and if you start to see something that has trouble, man, you can switch out a buck really quick. So I actually have bucks standing around in the fall that later on I get through big part of my breeding season. I'll, I'll lease out. People will be having trouble with their bucks. So then I lease them out to them. And, and so it's tough, but I keep I do keep a few extras. I don't, you know, with three hundred use, you know, ideally you're still only using probably, I'd say six, seven bucks mm-hmm. heaviest. I mean, mm-hmm, and then right. if the, as long as nothing goes wrong, you're good with those. And yeah. uh, but if you end up having some trouble, you've got to have some backups. Right. And so that's what I've that's what I've gone to over the years because there was years that we. <laughs> I mean, you got you got spooked, and and I don't know. Uh, I guess for me, over the years watching them, the old Suffolk bucks, you used to be able to, man, you could throw. I mean, I'd bring a hundred, hundred fifty used to one buck. Yeah, and That's... I you don't do that anymore. The Hamp bucks probably just don't have the fertility that we've had in the past, and and maybe too now we're trying to dial it in even more as far as uh, breed, you know, characteristics that you're trying to put together in a sheep so you kind of try to we're so we're so 
trying to tweak these animals to to a point where they're you know you're trying to breed out tiny little things that we think is wrong and and sometimes i think we just overthink it yeah. instead of just going with the best one and trying to be, keep them complete huh. um but you know trying to tweak the little things and and still not have big problems with any any of them too you i've always been one to think that if you can't have a big fault i can't tolerate a huge fault to get a another attribute that i'm really striving to get yeah you true know? you gotta you gotta ride the balance i mean and so there's always a line <clears throat> as to how far i want to push it yeah yeah <laughs> well, you bet well Corey, um one of my favorite parts of each episode we can jump right into topics from a hat that's right well topics from a hat folks as you know is brought to you by our good friends at fierce threads your number one source for screen printing and embroidery Fierce Threads, visit fierce-threads.com today and order that new apparel. Speaking of new apparel, we're going to be in Denver here, uh, coming up pretty fast here, Trev. That's right. We're going to have uh, a few new apparel items with us. I hope so. Yep. If they... Just beanies, probably, really. It's going to be, it's going to be the new thing. we got to fit some, it in the suitcase so somehow. Keep your ears warm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, warm. we finally got an, in, an entry on Twitter. Jordan on Twitter wants to know... Uh, that now that it's heavy and lambing, and everybody's kind of out in the barns all night long, what tips do you have for the folks that are maybe struggling with those ewes accepting the lambs and growing through the fostering process? Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of different ways you can get used to. Uh, I will say probably one of the biggest things I learned from the get-go is that uh, – as long as the ewe can get the lamb out, you don't need help like that. But uh, letting those ewes do their thing for a while and just staying away from them is probably the best thing to do. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of people just really want to get in there and they think the ewe's got to be doing this or it's got to be doing If you just let her do her thing, they usually will. The more you get in there and, and anytime, I, anytime I handle them, I use, I use uh, latex gloves anymore because if you get a smell on your hands and it gets on the lamb, sometimes it can cause problems that way too because hmm. they're very sensitive to smell. Um, but um, as far as trying to, to – uh, I assume he's talking about trying to get another you to own a lamb. That's what year. I take it, yep. Um, uh, and we call that a graft. Um, the best way to handle that is is when you say you have a ewe that that has triplets or has a half an udder, and you need to to get one of those lambs onto a ewe that only has a single and she's got plenty of milk, and that's the one I will tell you. The first thing you want to do is check and make sure the ewe you're grafting to has has both sides. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning, you don't always check, and I've I've done that. <laughs> And the you takes it, and then the next thing you know, you learn, you're like, oh, man, she's only got half another. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So then you're just uh, back to square one again. But, um, yeah, you you, you uh, catch that you when she's having it. Make sure she's letting her lick it off, do her thing with the, her own natural lamb. And then you take that the lamb that's coming off of the set of triplets or another you that, that's only half uttered, and you... Uh, make sure the biggest thing I've always made sure now is, is you make sure you get that lamb really, really clean of any, any, uh, manure that's on it from the mother and the milk that came through from the, from the original mother and do that by using just warm water. Don't use any kind of soap, no smells. You never want to get any smell on it. And so make sure you get all of that, that cleaned off of that lamb's behind, especially in anywhere else that it got on them. Um, you really have to get them clean from that. And just by using warm water and get them, and you can get the whole body, you know, I use warm water and get them in a bucket or I actually like to use, I have a, a big wash basin in our, in our, in our washroom that we can just rinse them out, mm. get all that off of them. And then I actually use baking soda. I don't know what made me ever try that, but you always think baking soda takes the smell out of things, right? You right. put it in your laundry, right. you put it in your fridge, you use it for, take smells. So I thought, well, if I can get the smell off of them, so I, Take that and make kind of a paste, and you smear it all over that lamb, especially on the behind, mm. on the tail. Get that smell. Let it sit for a little bit. Then you rinse it all out. Then the big key is taking those two lambs, lamb of the ewe you're trying to graft to and the, and the lamb that you're trying to graft to that ewe, uh, put those two in a, in a bucket of, I fill it, I just take a five-gallon bucket, fill it half, warm, half full of warm water, and I take probably a half cup of salt, and you throw it in that warm water. Put those two lambs in there together and really slosh them around. You want to do this before the new, 
the newborn lamb gets the you gets all that goo, you know, all the all mm-hmm. the afterbirth licked off of that lamb. Um, so that that actually mixes together in that bucket and it gets huh. all over the other lamb. And then take that lamb that you're that you're trying to graft because it's it's already standing up. You don't want it to stand up and run them off. Right. So you tie three legs together. So then you you put that lamb down on the ground and you take the other lamb and I I take my hand and kind of strip off some of that slime and get it on both lambs and rub them together good and let her go. Huh. And, and almost always they will take them. Um, I've actually gone to using um, give them a little bit of oxytocin also at the same time. Right. Give them cc or two you can put it in a muscle it takes a little longer i've actually i beat them with it and it works in seconds wow huh. um, the the in the muscle will last longer too right. so sometimes i've done both so whatever works you wow. know gets her to own that lamb and it's a it, it's a very mothering you know that's what oxytocin does is make them want to mother that much more now they've already got a ton of oxytocin flowing when they give birth right but that little jolt of it seems to help and it really Makes them want to bond to that land. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it'll help milk let down and everything else, too. Yeah, so. and they should already be right. full and ready to go with the colostrum for the lambs. But uh, but for some reason, that little bit extra, right when you're doing that, it always seems to huh, That's help. interesting. And rarely do I ever have one to kick it off after that. But wow. uh, And they'll pretty they'll take them pretty good. But this, the warm salt water is key in getting all the smell off of that lamb. Wow. There you mm-hmm. go, Corey. Good stuff. Well, Jordan, uh, if that doesn't answer your question, yeah, having uh, give me a call. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good stuff there. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, that's all through trial and error. Believe me, <laughs> <laughs> there sounds like there's some sort of a mad science that went behind it all. Yeah, there love it. Lots of lots of trials. Believe me, to be a fly in the barn when all that was. <laughs> hey, let's just put salt in here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whatever made me salt, think of it. Well, the salt. They, I've heard that before because it makes them makes the you want to lick a little more, and huh. so. But Makes in the sense. water, it's more like the natural. You don't just want to throw salt right on them. Right. Right. So yeah. um, that's interesting. That's really baking soda. Not that paste. I've tasted, but yeah. <laughs> The fluid is is probably a little salty, I'm sure, from the use. But you, uh, they they do lick a lot more when you get the salt yeah, on. Yeah, so. makes sense. It really does. Uh, you should, uh, you know, Mike. I, I don't want to publicize this, but you should probably think about making some money on this baking soda idea. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think you could you can call it grafting goop or something. Yeah, like, there you go. And uh, <laughs> mix it up and sell it on a shelf somewhere. Well, that yeah. Now you already gave I gave it away, so I probably won't be able to. <laughs> oh, dang it. Somebody else is already working <laughs> on it. Somebody else is already working on that. It's going to come out <laughs> in a, a product they're going to promote. You know, <laughs> just baking soda. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, yeah. All right. Well. I want to switch gears a little bit. And this is probably a tough question, but one I think it'd be interesting to hear your perspective and point of view. Um, it's very open-ended, so you can go whichever way you want to with this. Is, uh, you know, where do you see the focus of the club lame industry going here in the future? And today, really? Good question. Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I think there's always going to be because of it being a, a showroom oriented project, you know, you're always going to have that um, uh, ever ev- evolving, changing thing of styles. And, and, and because I've been around long enough, I've seen so many different, and I'll call them trends because there's definitely, uh, as we, as we start to study these sheep today and, and over the years, there's, uh, really now with the AI has made it even more so, but uh, there's so much parity between animals. Um, when you're sorting through shows, they are so, so close. And the little tiny differences that you're sorting through, um, you, know, you know, I mean, there's there's just a, such small differences that we're really concentrating on. And so um, with with there being such parity, it, it pushes a judge in the ring to pick an extreme, like I said earlier. Um, I don't know. You know, it's always going to be an ever-evolving thing. I don't know that there's a certain set place it's going to land. Um, in the near future, I don't see a, a whole lot of change as far as... We we have uh, gone through the crazy, tried to make them as crazy wide and stout and muscular as we can. Um, I think we've actually migrated which is always like you talked about the pendulum Mm -hmm. you always kind of see that pendulum swing back towards the center a little bit and so 
Uh, we're trying to go back to at this point, I think, uh, to a to a more complete sheep, one that has a little more elevation of front, and I think you see that in other species yep, right now definitely. also, and and that's just because. I sat there a few years ago at Louisville, and I'm sitting along in the stands, and I'm watching all of these sheep walk in, and there's like one after the other after the other, and they just look almost identical. And so the only one that walked in that was a little taller fronted and is more elevated on the move, I said, well, that's the one that's going to win the class. And sure enough, that's what happened. Mm. Because he's the only one that's different. Right. Um, because it becomes, there's, like I said, so much parity between them that it becomes so hard for anyone even when you're out there handling them. And I will say there's a difference between being right on top of them and being in the stands. So I don't ever want to say that I can tell you exactly what a judge is going to do sitting in the stands because I don't want anybody to sit there and say, well, I can just see what he's doing from the side of the ring. Because if all, if all I want to do from that is just to to be able to please the people in the crowd, I've still got to be able to please myself and, mm. and to be able to, to see the differences up close that they can't see at, at a distance. Right. And so uh, you've got to be out there in in the thick of it to really to really know what is going through a judge's mind. But uh, uh, I think you know I I I just see us getting back to more of a middle ground, um, trying to keep them more structurally sound because we've we've pushed it again with the Hampshire breed um, has always had a few more structural issues um, as far as just they're rugged. But as any time when you try to make them more rugged and more stout, you end up with more more uh, coarseness and maybe a little more not as functional moving. Yep. Um, and that's always what we talk about the balance of the, of the between the different breeds or different different styles of sheep. Uh, the way where the pendulum swings back and forth. So I don't know if we'll ever get to that more extreme like we were at one time. I mean, I, I remember when we had to have, we called them blue tubes. Man, you had to have a blue <laughs> tube, and if it didn't. If it didn't look like that, you weren't going to win. And so, uh, but there's but there's some of those attributes coming back. We're pulling that back in to the sheep that we're raising now and trying to add those back in to keep the look. Um, you know, there, there's just the, you, there's always trends that you push to the to the max, and then once you see that those, every, once all those sheep have it, uh, it, it you can't sort them on it anymore. Right. So then you have to go to something else to try to try to make them look different. Um, You know this this the shag thing. It's I mean about every sheep has shag anymore. So really, it's kind of an obsolete thing to try to sort them on that, which was kind of a a sorting tool in the beginning. Um, So now we're back to trying to sort through you know structural changes that we can actually see, uh, like the elevation of the front and things Mm -hmm. like that. So. like I said, there's always a balance of everything. You know, we can make them as wide as we want, but then they start getting outside their skeleton. You can make them narrower and tight. You know, we had them one at one point in time. The tighter the shoulder, we could make them that was better. Right. And and then those those sheep just weren't productive. Mm. So you had two two totally different trends within a matter of. I mean, I you know I've been in it a while, but it's still been a trend that was happened in my lifetime that I've been in these sheep. So. You'll you'll see some more trends, but I think it always gonna, it has to migrate back towards the middle. Yeah, just always does. Worse things where <laughs> things end up. I mean, with the with the you know you talk about kind of productivity side of things, especially in these market lambs. Um, it seems to me like there's there's an awful lot of, and I can speak from experience too. Is is these later maturing sheep seem to be the ones that everybody wants to feed? Um, you know. I've I've often thought that boy, it sure would be nice if these things just grew like they were supposed to, <laughs> and, and, and and reached a reached that hundred and forty five hundred and fifty yeah. pounds in in six months like they're supposed to. But well, they want them to more. be uh, they want the extra mass, and and that's hard to sort through. And that's what I that's where it boils comes back to what I keep saying, like the parity that when you find when you're sorting through a show. They're so close, and so those two sheep are really close, right? But one of them's a month older, and he's just got that little extra shape or volume, and they're basic, and they're the same weight. So you've just got a different look. Uh, I always compare it to to like a uh, as humans or kids. You look at a kid that's uh, sixteen, seventeen. They're kind of gawky still and awkward, and but then you look at somebody that's been in college, and you get into that twenty-one. Well, that they they change dramatically mm, yeah. in a short time. Don't gain much more yeah. weight. 
So it's the same right. thing with an animal. You see uh, structure and, and volume and shape just change so much in a short time on them because their lifespan is so much shorter. Uh, it's a matter of, of a few weeks you can right. see them change dramatically. Just in that look, now weight-wise, it's all the same. You know, muscle really didn't change. It just changed shape, but it didn't change total pounds of muscle because you can still hang them on the rail and get the same pounds of muscle off of that same lamb. It's in the and, and we're sorting these classes into, into weight classes that are so tight. You know, yeah, they're two right. pound break in a class. <laughs> well, they should end up with the same amount of muscle if they're if they're the heavier muscled animals, and so those lambs are going to be at the top of the class. And so you then you've got to sort them on other little tiny differences. Yeah. And so it just and then that you know that's I guess those are the things that that makes the differences and and uh, you know you kind of feel bad as a judge. Um, I I struggle with that because I you know the kid works all summer and looked at that animal all summer or or in the case of a steer it's oh, like a year almost, mm-hmm. and you've looked at that animal that amount of time where. A judge gets a few seconds, yeah, and he's got to make mm-hmm. a choice. As to, he or she uh, has to make a choice, which one is better in his mind at that point, or her mind in that point, and it, it just comes down to a choice. Yeah. Um, sometimes I can go back and forth in my mind. I could stand there and you, I could get justify either way. Yeah. But you have to make a choice because the show has to end at some point. <laughs> yeah. Somebody has to win. <laughs> Somebody has to win. And I've so... always thought it was is interesting if if that particular sheep that was second or third were two pounds lighter and was in that class before, what would it look like in the grand drive? Exactly. You know, you it's... know. Sometimes it does very very much as that is, or just as much as uh, uh, the animal acts up on the kid. You know, yeah. it's a younger kid, and and they right. just. It acts up that day. It wasn't used to being out in the show. So there's so many things that in uh, in play into that, and people don't realize in in uh, in the end of the day, it's it's a sheep show. Yeah. Uh, everybody, you know, you should go home, and you still should be friends, and it still should be just about having a good time and and trying to uh, produce a good animal for as far as a breeder, but also for the for the exhibitor, or just trying to you know learn something from the project. It's not. I mean, sometimes you learn more by losing than you do winning. You don't always oh, learn a lunch. Big time. I mean, you might win, and then, you you know, like, hey, we won. So you think you got everything wrapped up, but then yeah. the next judge comes in, and you didn't learn as much as you thought because <laughs> yeah. then there, he has a different – she has a different opinion. Yep. So it's uh, – you learn sometimes more from your losses than you do from your wins. Oh, so. that's the truth. Big time. Well, we have another segment we want to roll into uh, we call Social Smash. Social smash. Our voiceover guy, he's come <laughs> back to 2020 with us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Mike, in this segment, we this this has really evolved since uh, last year when we first started this. Is we kind of wanted to hear people's biggest pet peeves on social media, and we kind of made fun of some things that we saw that was uh, pretty funny. But uh, first, want to recognize that we have Brad Hal Ford. Is our sponsor for Social Smash going back into 2020. Super thankful for those guys. Absolutely. They're in Kokomo, Indiana. Uh, award-winning customer service. And we all know that if you're pulling a trailer down the highway, you might need a truck to pull that thing. So reach out to the guys at Brad Howell Ford and get you a sweet new ride for 2020. I think it's still, you know, if you backdate a check, you could probably get your ride off. Still <laughs> there you on go. The truck, so uh, that'd be all right. But, uh, yeah, so we, we talk about our pet peeves in this segment, um, and, and it kind of started as a negative thing, and then we kind of turned it into a uh, how do we fix the challenges um, that maybe we we hate to see in the industry um, or our biggest pet free, pet peeves. Offer a, offer a pet peeve and maybe a solution that you got. Oh, gosh. Now you really put me on the spot. <laughs> I guess I hadn't thought about that too much. And then in social media, I'm not a big – social media kind of guy um you know i i guess uh anytime you talk about social media one of the things that that always crosses my mind is is uh you know why are people uh it's sort of like i i I kind of equated i guess is to people driving down the road and they're they're in their own vehicle and somebody cuts them off and they can cuss them out whatever yeah and social media is sort of the same way you don't have that interaction just physical between the two but you have that interaction of thoughts and yeah. and you know you're 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 giving your words of wisdom to that other driver. 
without um, them hearing it. Yeah, without <laughs> them hearing it. Now, th- in the social media, sometimes you are, you know, you've got you've got people watching and things. People, are, we got to watch what you say. But uh, some people like to still put things out there that. Uh, I, I guess for me, you know, you learn from your own. Uh, you know, you learn from your own your own issues and, and you try to take in all of it and and then learn from it i don't know uh, like i said i'm not a i'm not a big into social media i, I tr- even tried to put up a facebook more for advertising for the right. business than anything and it's, it hasn't gotten very far if, <laughs> if i'm sure people have tried to friend me and i get these friend requests and i haven't friended anybody because i really haven't done anything with it yet <laughs> so uh uh i guess that's all part of just the changes of way things go, you know, yeah. I mean, there's the new technology is that that is part of the, the new wave of, of technology is to be on social media. But, mm. um, I, I guess civility is a big key to me just to be, uh, you know, civil to everyone, no matter whether you agree or disagree with what they did in the show ring or, or in any other way, uh, we still have to, try to live together so it's it's always a balance um mm. so you just try to try to keep civility between people and and uh i i've had lots of run-ins with different people had a very big disagreement with what i did with them in the show <laughs> yeah. so uh, well hey it, at least they had uh the guts to come up to you uh, instead of be yeah. the keyboard warrior and put you on out the social media. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and but I've had both. So uh, the funniest part is I've had a I've had both happen, and I've had had people put. Well, this was back in the early stages of of Facebook. People posted stuff that they weren't very happy with me when I when I placed their sheep. And uh, uh, the funny part is today I would consider those people some some pretty good friends. I met them <laughs> on later in in the you know you just kind of. They realize that hey, maybe maybe this guy isn't so bad. He was just making a choice, uh, right? Yeah, in the show ring. So it's it's just one of those things that you have to deal with as as a judge or whatever, um, or any part of it. And it's it's competition and competition. You know, people get very very uh, excited about. Yeah. Um, oh, it can get cutthroat. That's yeah, for sure. Exactly. So uh, you're the first guest that we have in 2020. So. <laughs> Uh, I wish I had an award to give you, but um, with that, we're going to change up the last question. And uh, those listeners who listen to every episode, um, we're going to switch up the last question. So it's another tough one. We're going to just shoot it at you here. But what lessons have you learned from the show stock industry? Hmm. Lots. I mean, tons of lessons. I mean, about everything that I I do uh, is around the livestock industry the business thing as far as business it's taught me and i think we were talking a little bit before we even started the interview about how when i first started out with the sheep business um you know they, they we didn't have as much of the sales where you could we do more now or we do more online and you're shoving sales all kind of more year round um where back in the beginning it was it was pretty much in the spring you sold her most of your stock and and you had to learn how to handle money for the rest of the year because there really wasn't much other income coming in. Right. So, uh, uh, and, and I wasn't real good at it sometimes. Well, you said you were, and <laughs> I, I wish we could have hit on this and we can do it now. Uh, we can get back to the lessons here in a bit, but you started right out of college. Yeah. And I knew yeah. where my financials were in college. <laughs> it was if I had enough money for beer that weekend and that was all. Exactly. So, um, but what, yeah. I mean, there's other kids out there who want to do it and can, obviously mm-hmm. you're proof. What, uh, what was that like? I mean, kind of starting up the, through the college mm-hmm. deal. I mean, it was in, in, you know, the college, uh, before, like when I went to college, um, we, yeah, I hadn't, I got gotten as heavy into it. Um, during the college years, I kind of got into it more and more. Mm-hmm. And so I was buying sheep and you, of course you're trying to pay for college and, course that's a whole nother expense that comes oh, yeah. as soon as you get out of college you've got to pay back any loans or anything that you had and luckily i was i was uh lucky enough to work at the university at ohio state and, mm. and got to stay in the sheep barns for free and then work there and so that helped tremendously because oh, yeah. you got paid to work and so i was very lucky to have that happen uh to get in that position because i didn't come from a sheep background necessarily i came from a dairy background and <laughs> started getting sheep as my freshman year in ffa got used i showed a couple 
market lambs before that. But so to get into to the sheep barn at high state was huge yeah, for me. That you was know, a good I was, deal. It was I mean, and and got to work for for one of my mentors, uh, Ron Gunther, and he was fantastic at teaching uh, us at you know what kind of stock to raise good mm. functional animals no matter what what breed you were in or what you know species was the same way i mean he was very very good at teaching us that and and so i learned a tremendous amount with that with that 3 or 4 years that i lived in the sheep barns and I, and so that was invaluable to me to get to stay there and be able to learn those things uh from someone so versed in the in the industry so um yeah, and then after I got out, it just I, I had a few interviews, and and by that time I was making decent money with the with the market lambs, and so I was actually making as much as what they were offering me wow. to work for. And of course, back then it wasn't they, there wasn't big salaries. <laughs> I mean, uh, and so the startup salaries weren't very good, and so I I said, well, you know, I'm making the same amount of money now. I didn't think about that that i that i got paid my salary all at one lump sum where the job you would had income year round yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah. that was the one difference i wasn't thinking of and of course my dad helped me out was, you know we had the farms and uh so it, it helped a lot to be able to keep the sheep yeah you know with the farms and so um it could grow and still i mean i had to make payments to him and everything buy feed and stuff like that but it still having an opportunity where some kids maybe don't even have that. They don't even have a place to keep them. Right. So yeah. it, it's tough, excuse me, it's tough to, to, um, to get started out there. But yeah, those are, those were all things in the beginning that, uh, it, it was, it was tougher than you thought. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. so certainly lessons learned there. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, he, and you know, you, like you said, you know, you want to go out on the weekend and you thought, gosh, I only got, 10 bucks in my pocket yeah yeah and yeah. that's a bag of feed so yeah. i better wait <laughs> i gotta decide who am i feeding the sheep or... yeah no it uh but it it worked out i mean over time you just keep you keep learning you keep striving and pushing and yeah and you end up if you if you you know i just i was lucky i really was a lot of opportunities uh my own my friend one of my best friends says you know it's just we're uh, you you get dealt the luck, and if you take advantage of it, that's the smart one. Yeah, the, yeah. The guy that doesn't take advantage of the luck, because luck is, I mean, there's as much as people want to admit it's all skill or whatever. There's still a lot of luck because oh, genetics no is a funny thing. When you mate things up, they don't always come out the same way you think. So right. Mm-hmm. To find mm-hmm. that luck and then to take advantage of it is always key. You bet. Oh yeah, if if there's luck in everything, there's <laughs> exactly. no doubt. And right gotta, place, right time is good. Yeah. It's good to be. I'll take that as much luck every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, this has been a, an awesome interview, and thanks for again for having me here. I know Corey well, I it. stuck in Indiana, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we we wanted to get you on for a long time, and I actually uh, regretfully. I did not know you were as close. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, my fiance, we were driving by here and uh, works with with your nephew. Nephew, yep. and it's like, well, OERDC. He lives right there, <laughs> and that's the farm right there. Like, well, crap, we're right down the road from one of the best sheep producers in the country. Need to get him on. So here we are, and uh, we appreciate you for opening up your book and your history lessons. And uh, I appreciate it. So now we know uh, what uh, what the uh, grafting goop's going to be so we'll we'll trademark that for you if you would like so <laughs> yeah. send me some royalties if anybody yeah. comes yeah. up with that yeah so well mike thanks again and uh we've we always appreciate everything you do for the industry i appreciate it thank you well as you guys know um that was such an incredible episode i know we said that at the intro and we delivered i thought for the amount of tips. Usually we don't do many how-tos or tips or anything like that. Uh, not by intention, but we just kind of get into more of the stories and the history. But man, I learned more in that than uh, just how, how it's done uh, from somebody who's done it forever and hearing the history of how he started and uh, just a guy who's had his hands in a lot of genetics and um, continue to have success with those 300 views that he's has and yeah uh, just a great can we also can we talk about the fact that we've invented like four or five different products on this podcast so far yes like, including this episode that's I, I mean 
Somebody could make a lot of money off of us. Yeah, well, if so, I hope they have the courtesy to include us. We'll help yeah. you market it. I'll, so. I'll take a percentage. We'll put it on our online store, okay, which is Stock Talk Podcast. Oh, I was incorrect. It's stocktalk-podcast.com. Don't forget yep. the dash. It's important. If you go to stocktalkpodcast.com, you're going to get an arrow code that yeah. says does not exist. Um, yeah, make sure you guys go get your merch. Uh, we have hoodies. We have t-shirts. We do. We have hats. Mm-hmm. We're about to have beanies. What's that? Featured in Denver. We may not even offer them online. So come find us in Denver because Trevor and I are going to be there. We're hitting a flight on uh, Thursday morning, the yes. 16th. Next weekend. That is next weekend. It's going to be fun. Man. I am pumped. Next weekend. I'll be on the hill. Hey, you and man. I may hit some slopes. You don't know. We'll be in the yards. We'll be hitting the slopes. We'll be watching some cattle shows. Be in the yeah. displays. We'll be all over. Luckily, I don't need my knees and ankles to talk on a podcast. So if I <laughs> do have a wreck going downhill, it'll be fine. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, guys, we absolutely love each and every one of you. I know we say that every time, but it's true. Your support means a bunch to us, and your continued support would be even more appreciated. Give us a five-star review. Now's a good time to do that. We're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much.